Hello, I'm Martin Lane and welcome to Cannabis, the podcast about the business of cannabis. We inform, educate and connect Australia's legal cannabis sector, bringing you exclusive interviews with the industry's top leaders in Australia and beyond. Coming up on today's show... The launch of Cannabis, the launch of the Australian Medicinal Cannabis Association, and what's going to happen to that Senate inquiry into patient access. So, welcome to this, the first ever episode of the Cannabis Podcast. Joining me for this momentous occasion are Cannabis Chief Correspondent Steve Jones. Good to be here. And Cannabis Commissioning Editor and Gun Podcast Producer Josie Tutty. Hello. So, team, we may have only just launched Cannabis, but we've all been working on this project for a number of months now. Josie, let's start with you. How have you found it? Yeah, it's been really great sinking our teeth into the industry and it's been lots of fun speaking to so many different people from so many different sectors of the industry. Um, Everyone's been really, really positive and filling us with lots of ideas and avenues to go down. You know, as journalists, we always love hearing about particular tales or something we should investigate. So we've definitely been, been collecting a lot of those. So yeah, that's been really, really fun. And has anything surprised you? Um, not particularly surprising, but I've definitely been very, very inspired by just how motivated the industry is to change things and improve patient access. Access, And that's just been amazing to see. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. That's good to hear. What about you, Steve? Uh, well, it's been damn hard work, tell you the truth, <laughs> but but really, really good fun um, sort of getting under the, the skin of the industry. Um, I agree with Josie that the passion um, that, that shines through from everybody you speak to is 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 pretty obvious, um, and everybody's in it for the. It seems to me the or the, the the good of the patient. Um, many other industries, it is geared around uh, profit, effectively, um, and clearly the ASX listed companies have to make a profit here. But but there is that um, uh, that that backdrop of trying to um, uh, benefit patients, basically, um, and provide uh, medicinal cannabis to as many patients as possible. So that, that passion is really uh, the thing that's, that's um, shone through for me. Well, that is very encouraging to hear too. And on the topic of hard work, you've been researching and writing an in-depth analysis of the industry in Australia, part one of which we're publishing very soon. What have been the key takeaways for you? Yeah, look, it's been absolutely fascinating. Um, it's obviously a very young industry, four years old effectively, um, and any industry takes time to settle down. It's essentially in its infancy. Um, I think the key takeaway piece for me, certainly for the first part of this trilogy, is the engagement piece with GPs. Now, doctors are essentially the gatekeepers um, and have been since legislation. But when you talk with the industry leaders, the company bosses, the advocacy groups, it really does bring it home that without the willingness of of GPs to prescribe cannabis, without their willingness to learn and without their willingness to look at the growing body of evidence, patients are just not going to get the medicine they want and in some cases uh, desperately need. The two medical bodies, the RACGP and the AMA, they don't exactly rave about medicinal cannabis. So that in itself is a challenge 
uh, and that quite possibly shapes the views of, of GPs. Um, and there are several barriers, I, I guess, which which shone through. One is, um, and the barriers, I mean, in, in terms of the barriers for GPs to prescribe medicinal cannabis, one is simply a lack of knowledge um, of medicinal cannabis, what it can do, what it involves, what dosages are required. And a second barrier um, is the process of, of, of applying for medicinal cannabis. Obviously, you've got to go through the special access scheme, as everybody knows, um, with the Therapeutic Goods Administration. There's hoops to jump through. And according to several submissions to the Senate inquiry, it can be an onerous process. Doctors um, just don't have the time. They're obviously very, very busy people. That goes without saying. And to spend 20 minutes maybe filling out a form, it's, it's just it just doesn't happen. The third major barrier, and perhaps the largest one, I guess, is the perceived lack of clinical evidence out there. Now, while it's true there may be little by way of what you might call gold standard evidence, um, that's, you know, real real top-end clinical trials, there is still plenty of real-world data which, which demonstrates um, efficacy. So there is research being undertaken, and the evidence is certainly growing. Uh, so they're, they're the, the, the key takeouts. So one more thing. Um, this shouldn't be seen as, as a them against us. It shouldn't be, you know, the, the medicinal cannabis industry versus the, the doctors who are, who are failing to prescribe. There needs to be a collaborative approach. And, and that was also one of the, one of the key, um, key takeaways for me. So it's, it's about working together for the greater good, if you like. So I'll come back to the Senate inquiry in a minute, but um, National Pain Week this week, um, and we've seen a report to suggest that the vast majority of people um, who who um, are interested in medicinal cannabis are st- who are suffering from chronic pain are still reluctant to ask their their GP because they feel that they're going to get a negative or dismissive response. Um, so I know you know you're saying Steve, it's not them and us, them against us. It's it's everyone working together. But it still feels like there is still some work to be done in educating that kind of you know the the GP community. Yeah, there's a huge education piece to, to be done there. There's, there's no question about that. And uh, yeah, obviously the, the the story you're referring to, um, you know, to, to have doctors scoff at, at patients who do mention the desire to have medicinal cannabis is is um, I mean it's outrageous, really. I mean, medicinal cannabis is it's it's legal, it's it's accessible, or you've got to jump through lots of hoops. So um, yeah, that's quite concerning to read um, that 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 attitude. Uh, adopted by some GPs. But yeah, th- there is a huge education piece that needs to be done. Um, I know we'll talk about the Senate inquiry a little bit later, but that did form uh, three or four of the recommendations to create a much more effective, um, much more cohesive um, education platform for GPs so they can learn about it. They can learn about the um, endocannabinoid um, uh, system uh, and just get to grips with, with the whole issue. There are obviously, as that... Um, story suggests just too many doctors who are unwilling um, and just don't know enough about it. So yeah, um, education is, is, is huge for this industry. So the Senate inquiry has made its recommendations, as you say, into the accessibility of medicinal cannabis. Um, but w- w- what's your sense about what's going to happen when, when that report eventually goes before Parliament? So I think it's fair to say the industry isn't feeling too optimistic about it. Yeah, rightly so, I think. I, I don't think much will happen. Um, and certainly the industry isn't holding its breath. The, the issue with the inquiry is that it wasn't a government-driven initiative. It was driven by the Greens, um, and there's unlikely to be much 
appetite within the coalition to adopt many of the um, the 20 recommendations that, that formed um, the, the basis of, of the final report. I mean, you know, clearly COVID has disrupted any meaningful discussion in Parliament. Um, so, you know, there remains the possibility that the govern, government may implement some of the recommendations, um, particularly around, as we just mentioned, the, the, the education of GPs. Um, you know, I don't think anybody would, would, would suggest that 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 shouldn't be um, something that we look at going forward. Uh, so we may see some more online uh, government sort of sanctioned platforms maybe to educate GPs. Um, but, but, but even if not many of the recommendations uh, come to reality, it doesn't mean that the Senate inquiry was a waste of time. Uh, I mean, far from it. It was a great platform, an opportunity to drill home what the major barriers are for patients and accessing medicinal cannabis and also understand the challenges of the uh, medical profession and the industry. So, um, yeah, the, the, the inquiry, I think, was, was just another platform to, to really sort of chip away at the decision makers in Canberra. So also on the topic of influence in, in Canberra, there's a new parliamentary Friends of Medicinal Cannabis group has launched, Steve. Yes, that, that's that's right. Yeah, that's an interesting um, development, and and one the uh, the medicinal cannabis industry association is is one that's been pushing for for a little while, I think. So that's a collective of uh, around about thirty MPs and, and senators that are going to be the voice of the industry, I guess, in in Canberra. Um, uh, so there'll be a sounding board, I, I think, for the for the industry and and, and vice versa. So to get that conversation with MPs, with senators right in the heart of Canberra, and they'll spread the word amongst their fellow politicians can only be a good thing. So yeah, that's a really interesting uh, uh, development to, to raise the volume, I guess, of, of um, the cannabis uh, industry voice in, um, in Canberra. So I guess we'll have to see if that has an has any impact when the Senate inquiry um, is heard in, in Parliament and whether the industry's current caution is justified. Now, in other news, new industry body AMCAR has launched the Australian Medicinal Cannabis Association with a mission to improve patient access to high quality, affordable medicinal cannabis and speak for patients, healthcare professionals, researchers, cultivators, manufacturers and exporters. The association is led by some familiar industry figures, including medical cannabis campaigner Lucy Haslam and lawyer Teresa Nicoletti. Josie, you covered this one. What did you make of AMCAR? Yeah, so while their primary focus is obviously on improving access for patients, they definitely have a lot of board members from a wide range of industries, which I think is really important because, you know, we can obviously is we need to focus on the medicinal side and doctors and speaking to the medical industry. But also to do that, you really need to think holistically and a, a bit broader, I, I believe, to to really make an impact. So they've got uh, they've got board members from manufacturing, legal, nursing, scientific research and public relations as well covered. So um, that group includes consultant emergency physician David Caldicott and Ogilvy PR Group Managing Director Leon Beswick. So some really big names there. And I'm sure they're adding a lot of expertise from areas that might you might not necessarily immediately associate with cannabis like PR and I think it's really really important and necessary for the industry to 
learn from those various industries and you know especially as things move forward with legalization and you know the descheduling of CBD we're hoping is coming soon I think it's going to be an increasingly important area for PR and marketing to play in this space. Um, One of the big areas of focus for AMCAR is on training and education which they believe is one of the biggest barriers for improving patient access which i which uh, Steve and Martin, you were mentioning earlier. And I think it's going to be a really interesting space, especially when it comes to training. Now that we're in the middle of the pandemic and it's difficult at the moment to see the way out. So I think training is going to become a very different thing. It's going to all be online and e-learning is going to become a really big space in the immediate future. And also moving forward, I think it's going to become the primary way that that the industry gets its training. And I think investing in that space is really important. And it's something that AMCAR are definitely keen to do. In fact, one of AMCA's board members, David Caldecott, launched a new e-learning course very recently. So that is definitely a prime example of where the e-learning training is coming into play. And I think we'll see a lot of that in the next few months. So we also asked AMCAR if they believe they have room for another industry association. And you'll hear their response to that question in the full interview that we'll be playing later. Uh, But Steve, there are already two trade associations, the Medicinal Cannabis Industry Association and the Medical Cannabis Council. And they've only just announced plans to work together. So I think it's fair to say they weren't too thrilled about AMCA's launch. Steve, I know you've been speaking to them. What did they have to say? Yeah, Josie, I mean, certainly the the MCC was a, a little disappointed, shall we say, with the launch. Um, I think it's a case of, of of too many cooks. That's certainly what the, the MCC uh, are suggesting. Um, if you have too many lobbying voices in Canberra, that carries the potential for the industry to deliver mixed messages and potentially confuse the government. Um, so, uh, and it also comes as, as I think, as you alluded to, at a time when the MCC and the MCIA are coming together to, to speak with one voice, to collaborate, um, in order to, to, you know, provide that cohesive um, voice for the government uh, or to the government. Uh, yeah, MCC co-founder Carol Island uh, told us she would uh, have preferred um, uh, those behind. The AMCA, the, the, the drivers, Gail Wiseman, or two of the, the driving forces, Gail Wiseman and Teresa Nicoletti, to have worked within um, work with the existing bodies. Of course, Gail and Teresa were, were formally involved with the MCC, so they effectively have broken away to form this new body. So, so Caroline definitely would have preferred them to have worked within the existing um, uh, structure, I guess. As far as the MCIA is concerned, its chairman, Peter Crock, agreed that one industry voice would be preferable, but he was a bit more, um, or he was fairly philosophical, saying in such a young industry, it's inevitable that new groups will emerge. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, I, I think they'll start to work together to some to some degree further down the line, but uh, but certainly for the moment, there's a little bit of um, irritation, shall we say, um, with regards to the new, uh, the new entity. And how do you guys think that AMCA will differ from the other two bodies? So I think speaking to Lucy in particular, you know, she comes from an activist background. She's definitely not afraid to ruffle a few feathers. And I think that's something that will set them apart 
just a little bit. I mean, they're obviously not going to be fully going in gung-ho activists. You know, they will work within the confines of the industry and government and they're going to be very strategic about it. But I think there's just a little bit more of that activist flavor from them. At least that's the impression that I got when I spoke to them. Yeah, Josie, I think that's absolutely right in terms of the activism piece. Um, I think that is certain that will be their... um, their USP, if you want, their unique selling point. I think they'll be, they'll have a, a a louder voice. That doesn't mean to say that the MCIA and MCC aren't effective. They they really are, but but they're a bit more. Um, as Peter told me, Peter Crock told me uh, recently that they they don't want to be adversarial. They don't want to badger um, politicians. They don't want to irritate politicians. But 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 they do want to obviously get in front of them and and be to be heard clearly. But I think. They tread relatively carefully, uh, whereas I think the the, the new guys will be, um, they'll play that, as you said, Josie, there'll be more of the, the activist uh, voice, I, I think. That's certainly the, the way I see it. And Peter was certainly very complimentary about Lucy Haslam and her um, campaigning voice. Yeah, very much. I mean, you know, I don't want this. This isn't this again. Going back to what I said a bit earlier, this isn't them and us. We, should, you know, you, the two, the, the bodies that are representing the industry, um, shouldn't be at loggerheads, and, and they won't be at loggerheads. And there's enormous respect for Lucy Haslam um, from Peter Crock and Caroline, and clearly, um, I mean, Lucy is, is is the voice of the uh, the cannabis industry to some degree. So, um, yeah, it's just that at a time when. They want the government to, to hear the concerns, to listen to the concerns. Just perhaps having too many voices, you know, might, as we said earlier, might muddy the waters. But um, yeah, there's enormous respect there. So I, as I said, I, th- I think the, the bodies will work together at some point. Now, Josie, you asked Lucy and Teresa about that and more besides. Let's have a listen to that conversation. Okay, so joining me, we have two board members of the newly formed Australian Medicinal Cannabis Association, otherwise known as the AMCA, Lucy Haslam and Teresa Nicoletti. So Lucy is a retired nurse, mother and co-founder and director of United in Compassion, an organisation dedicated to raising awareness of medicinal cannabis for the terminally and seriously ill. Lucy now sits on the AMCA board as chair. And Teresa is a scientist and lawyer and is recognised as one of Australia's leading legal practitioners in the health and life sciences sectors. Teresa sits on the AMCA board as company secretary. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Okay, so welcome and first of all, congratulations on the new association. It's very exciting. Um, Maybe I'll start with you, Lucy. What are some of the things that... AMCA is setting out to solve. So what are your aims and what are your objectives? Well, I think from the get-go, we decided that we needed to be a very um, broad group and include as many people who are making up the cannabis community as possible. So um, even though we're, we're the new kids on the block, we've got a lot of the pioneers of medical cannabis in Australia. So We've really actively engaged, um, you know, probably in a a non-formal way. Um, You know, for example, Teresa and I have worked together over many years in this space. And our our mission, I guess, is really to, you know, continue to progress medicinal cannabis and to be proactive as an organisation in addressing some of the, the many issues that still exist. 
Um, we've been doing that really probably from the get-go and we think that there's still a lot to be done. Um, so we just really want to formalise what we've done already over many years, um, add to that group by bringing in people with new vision and new eyes and, and representing all aspects of the industry just so we can progress and so we can achieve something that we're all really proud of. And I think probably to this point, some of us haven't been incredibly proud of what Australia's managed to produce so far. Doesn't mean that we won't get there. Um, we just think we just need to work together to achieve that. And Teresa, how do you see the aims and objectives? Oh, what is most important to AMCA is that uh, we have this philosophy that we do not leave anyone behind. We're representing the broad interests of the industry. Um, so it's not about just about industry players, companies that um, have a vested interest in, in uh, setting up medicinal cannabis businesses and have um, a profitability as their goal. We look at it more broadly uh, because to have a viable industry, it involves a number of stakeholders, including industry players, including doctors, in including patients and nurses, caregivers, that there's a whole host of people that are interested in seeing a viable medicinal cannabis industry. And ultimately, our key focus is patient access, affordable patient access to high quality medicines. And we are engaging with all of the key stakeholders that would have a role in achieving that outcome. And who is your ideal member or do you have an ideal member? Is there someone specifically that you're targeting or is it more of a broad, a broad view of the industry? Well, we're definitely going for that broad view. Um, it's such a complex industry and, you know, there will obviously be people within that broad group who have specific interests and, and that can be worked on, you know, in smaller groups. But as, a, as an organisation, we think that the more broad, the better. Um, we think that's where our strength will be. And that doesn't mean to say that we can't focus in on, you know, on priorities that people um, may flag with us along the way. And not everybody might be involved in focusing on that priority, but that's where we can draw on people's expertise. Therese, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of our, our catch cries, I guess, is strength is our breadth. And also there's strength in our depth. There's, there's uh, a lot of very like minds that have joined together to, to form the board of AMCA and are all driven by the same same goal. And, and we think there uh, a lot of stakeholders have a lot of useful input into um, turning this in, industry into a very strong, world-class, viable medicinal cannabis industry. Um, and we look at involving those stakeholders in the decisions that are made about what priorities we set and um, how we approach government uh, about what needs to be done to take the industry from where it is now uh, to where we want to get it to. And there is a long way to go with that. And how are you funding the association? Will there be membership fees, events, training? What are some of the things you're going to be offering? Uh, well, to start with, um, we're, we're setting up as a not-for-profit and we will be um, having a, a membership um, schedule really mm -hmm. based on um, the level of interest and even going so far as to affiliate members. So members of the community as individuals can become involved 
um, and can keep abreast of what's happening. So um, I guess down the track, we, we haven't thought beyond that, but, you know, um, we certainly have a strong interest in, in training and events and that's something I think that we'll probably um, edge towards as we grow. I guess it's a bit tricky to talk about events right now. <laughs> well, definitely, and, and certainly for me, that's the main thing I do with UIC to keep us going is to have events, which we've just mm. had to cancel this year mm -hmm. with COVID. So, um, but, you know, um, we're very interested and very focused in training, and, you know, we see that as part of the solution to progressing um, the Australian medicinal cannabis industry. And who are some of the key people that you've got involved? I know you've got Gail Wiseman as your general manager and obviously yourselves. Do you want to talk to me about some of the key people you've got on the board and involved in AMCA? So, I mean, this has been a partnership um, between Lucy and myself. Um, mm. When we conceived the idea of setting up AMCA, what we wanted was a broad cross-section on the board that had skill sets in the, in the areas that we needed on the board um, and that that is what will primarily be used to drive the strategy although we'll also have a number of subcommittees that we'll put together that will focus on core priorities um, and so talking about the board firstly we've um, we've I think we've got an envious board because we have managed to um, attract most of the pioneers in this industry. So uh, people like uh, Dr. David Caldercott, who's an emergency medicine physician um, and has more knowledge about the um, the medical side of, of cannabis than anyone I know here in Australia. Uh, Dr. Justin Sinclair, who is a, a researcher in in uh, cannabis sorry I shouldn't he's not a doctor yet but he will be he's doing his PhD um, and he's got a, a lot of knowledge about the science of cannabis and um, the individual components of cannabis um, and then we have also um, had uh, a public relations expert join us uh, Leon Beswick who has a lot of experience in connecting with governments at both the federal and state level around health and life sciences mm -hmm. issues and so we've been very careful in selecting a board that um, has the strength to uh, develop this industry and to take on certain uh, responsibilities that are required to, to achieve what the objectives that we want to achieve. Um, we've, we've also got an, an industry player, one of the, uh, the biggest and most progressive cannabis companies. Um, James Gaskell is, is uh, one of the directors and, and chief operating officers. So they have a lot of expertise around what it takes to build a successful company um, that cultivates, produces and manufactures medicinal cannabis products and understands uh, the difficulties in having done that in a regulatory environment that is a, a pretty rigorous and my my role and Lucy's role, essentially I joined the board as the legal member for obvious reasons. I've got um, a, a very strong background in um, the, the regulatory regime um, in Australia. Lucy is regarded as the pioneer of the in industry. I just followed her basically when I started to get involved in the industry. I had a, a, a 
a scientific interest as much as a legal interest in 2014. And because I work in the health and life sciences sector, it seemed a, a really good fit. And that's um, not long before Lucy and I started working together. Um, and, and we also have uh, Rita Martin, who, who is a nurse by background. Um, and that's an important person to, uh, for us to have on the board as well, because they're patient focused and they probably see uh, patients as much as doctors do. And so we felt from, from that perspective that an, a nurse representative would be a, an important patient advocate for medicinal cannabis. I mean, Lucy also has a, a nursing background, but we wanted someone that's currently working in that space as well. Uh, and then uh, finally, we have uh, Dr. Niall Wheat, who is a researcher uh, in the, the School of pharmacy at uh, the University of Sydney uh, and he also has a strong research and scientific background. So we've pretty much covered the, the whole cross-section of expertise mm -hmm. that we've tried to that is relevant in this industry. And one of the um, other things we've tried to do is also consider subcommittees um, and so the subcommittees are intended to be um, populated, if you like, by um, members of AMCA, ultimately, and, and they will uh, provide information and expertise that then filters up to the board to assist the board to make its decisions um, around the, its objectives. And so, for example, we have already thought that we would have uh, an industry committee, which we think would um, include industry players, com different companies, representatives from different companies who can all share their experiences around um, the construction of their facilities, the, the regulatory barriers they've en encountered and what their needs are in order to um, be able to operate in a facilitated industry. We've also, uh, we also want to have a subcommittee of patient advocates and a subcommittee of, of medicos. Um, and they are all intended to provide us with valuable information to further the, the objectives. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you mentioned earlier the PR side of things. Do you think comms and, and even marketing and branding are something that the industry almost needs that expertise more than ever before. And um, because obviously there's a lot of work to do in changing the conversation and changing the story. So yeah, do you think the PR side of things is quite an important side of it? Um, yes, I do. Uh, we're, we're hamstrung to some extent by the very strict regulations that apply in relation to what you can and can't say about medicinal cannabis just the term itself, medicinal cannabis, um, itself creates a, an issue around whether you can even talk about it. And so you've got to, there's a fine line between talking about medicinal cannabis for educational purposes and then talking about medicinal cannabis more in a promotional context. And that, that's an important distinction because if it's an educational context, then it, then it's permissible. But if it's then turning into a more promotional context, then it suddenly becomes impermissible. One of the big gaps in medicinal cannabis is that there is insufficient education 
around medicinal cannabis. And I think there needs to be a conversation, but that conversation needs to include education about medicinal cannabis um, to some of some of it to remove the stigma that still exists and the reticence that many doctors still have to prescribing it and and also a conversation around what we need to do to um, improve access to medicinal cannabis right now Absolutely. And I'm sure training will be a big part of AMCA. And I think that's an important part of, of building that awareness and that education and changing, changing the way people think about it, essentially. So the MCC, the Medical Cannabis Council and the MCIA, the Medicinal Cannabis Industry Australia, recently announced a collaboration agreement to speak with one voice. What's your opinion on this? And do you believe that there's room for two slash three trade associations in what is still quite a relatively new industry in Australia? That, that's probably the, a tricky question. Um, I think initially I didn't think there was room, um, but I think, um, I think through necessity and through the fact that people like several members of our board have been active in this space. It's not like we've just we've just suddenly appeared. Mm -hmm. um, we're all people who've been working really tirelessly since 2014 um, to initiate the conversation in the first place in 2014, um, to change the law in 2016, to initiate um, some of the Senate inquiries that we've had into barriers into patient ac access and um, you know, to be part of the conversation about rescheduling. So we've been there along the way. And I think we just, I guess, do things a little bit differently um, to probably the others. Um, part of part of our strength, as, as Teresa mentioned, is our breadth and our depth. Um, you know, it's probably not, you know, for anyone to comment on how another organisation works. It's just how really, you know, we talk about how we want to do things and we want to do things probably the way we always have, but in a more formal way. You know, basically, um, we formed the Australian Medicinal Cannabis Alliance in 2018 um, when we saw some of the problems that were around um, patient access through the special access scheme in particular. And so as a, as a loose um, group, we came together and we tackled that issue really the AMCA is really just a formalisation of what sort of has been happening. So I don't see that we're essentially new. We're just really putting um, a formal association and all that governance around what we're doing. And, you know, hopefully that will carry some weight with it. Um, I know for me personally, I actually feel really um, uh, inspired to be sitting alongside all these people and I no longer feel like I'm working in solo. I feel like I now have, you know, a team of people who are really t ready to pull up their sleeves and, and help with some of the grant work that has to be done, really, if we're going to achieve what we are all hoping to achieve. And Teresa, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, th I think the, what excites me is that I think we've already been, Lucy and I have already been on a journey with the board directors. We've all, most of us have been there since 2014. Um, and as Lucy says, we haven't formally been working to that common purpose. 
um, we've now taken the step to say, okay, look, we've all been doing this for the past six years. Let's come together and formalise this and let's come together and be the drivers of the industry moving forward in what we've already um, done for the past six years. And, and what Lucy has mentioned before about some of the achievements is really important because we have been really, the really strong drivers of um, the first Senate inquiry um, that led to the legalisation. We have been the drivers of the Senate inquiry last year. We have been the drivers of the streamlining of the process to remove some of the red tape from the state layer of uh, bureaucracy. And so if, if we look at the achievements that we have all been heavily involved in in the past that have actually got the industry to where it is today, you can actually point to one or more of the directors on AMCA that has been the driver of that. I think, Josie, it's also important to say that we've worked alongside some of the members of MCIA and MCC mm -hmm. in getting to this point as well. And so I think we all have a role to play. Um, we all just might do things a little bit differently or we all might have probably a slightly different end goal. Um, so it was important for me as an individual to align myself with people that I felt had a very... Um, a very similar goal to mine um, and I think that's the best way to collaborate. It's not to say that there's not a role for everybody. I certainly think, you know, in view of how far we've got to go, um, there's plenty of work to be done in this space and um, for us um, it's just going to be easier to carry that forward um, under the, the guise of an association and with some structure around it and I think that's probably something that, you know, I will benefit greatly from is just to have to have the structure of an association and to have, um, you know, the, the benefit of having really, I mean, I'm probably the least credentialed person on our board. You probably have noticed that. Um, so for me, it will be a great benefit to have people like Teresa and David Caldecott and Leon who, you know, all of them, every one of them brings something really, um, you know, special to the table. And, uh, and I, for one, will be taking advantage of that. Absolutely. What are, what are some of the qualities that you would say make you different or make you stand out from some, some of the others? Or, or do you think there are some goals that do align between, between the various boards that are out there? Well, I think there are there are some goals that align, but I think um, for the individuals on our board, I know that there's a lot of tenacity there. There's a preparedness to take on the hard issues. Um, sometimes it doesn't put you in the most popular light, um, you know, and I know certainly Teresa and I haven't been the most popular person um, around sometimes, you know, at a government level, but um, for us, we're all very patient-centric. That's our end goal, is to get to a place where Australian patients have absolutely the best system, where it's easy to go to a doctor um, and get a prescription for medicinal cannabis. You can readily afford it. You, can, you don't have to wait ages for it. Um, you know, we want all of that for Australian patients, and I think that's what's united us all um, in the AMCA. Definitely. Therese, would you agree with that? So, look, again, it's the breadth of the expertise. So um, we're not, 
I know the, uh, the the collaboration between MCC and MCIA now looks at broader interests, but that has been really our focus for many years, um, rather than a movement towards towards that focus. But also, uh, where we are always on the front foot, so we do positively input into. Um, the activities in the industry, for example, um, we heavily imported into the, the Senate inquiry submissions mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're, we're very active in every facet of the industry, um, very much engaged on, on um, a proactive basis. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't want it to be about comparing with another industry association. I want it to be what our focus is and 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 how we drive um, our objectives to get to where we need to get to in the industry. Definitely. So on that, give me your 90-second elevator pitch. Why should our listeners join the AMCA? Teresa, do you want to go yeah, first? Teresa, you're, you're the lawyer. Uh, you, should, you should be up to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- well, I think uh, the AMCA has been established with, firstly, corporate governance from its outset, which is, is very important. It has very clear objectives and priorities about what needs to happen to establish a viable medicinal cannabis industry Australia in Australia that provides affordable, high-quality access to patients. Um, for their medicinal cannabis products. And I also uh, believe that our focus on not just one facet of the medicinal cannabis industry, but our focus on all the key stakeholders in the industry from the outset, being industry, being uh, patients, being nurses, doctors, educators, government, having that focus from the outset really gives us expertise that sets us apart from anyone else. It's probably not 90 seconds, but I think that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) Don't worry, I didn't have a time wrong. Lucy, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, Look, no, I just think, um, I just think it's important to note that, that we, we're not new. Um, We, we're a new organization, but we're not new. We've been here We've been doing it. We've been doing the hard yards. Um, you know, we've, we, we probably haven't taken credit for a lot of the things that we've done because we've done it quietly behind the scenes. So I think now we have just a new opportunity and, a, and an invigoration really to work harder and, and smarter and, and to get to where we need to go. Um, I think we're probably going to be um, a force to be reckoned with um, and, you know, I think if you want to be represented in the industry and if you want to have your voice, um, we're very open-armed. We want you to come and we want to hear your side of things. We want to see everyone's perspective and we want to, you know, be able to work together to try and achieve a common goal and all the time reminding people that the reason we're here is the patients and they have to be front and centre. Great. Well, thank you very much. I think that's a really nice place to end it. So thanks for joining me, Lucy and Teresa. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Josie. Okay, well, I think that's all we have time for. So it just remains for me to thank Josie. Thank you. And Steve. Pleasure is all mine. 
And you for joining us. I'm Martin Lane, and we'll see you next time on the Cannabis Podcast.